Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed. We are coming into, as Pastor Carolina said, into Upper Room. And this is in the overarching year um, from Pastor Mark and Lee's heart of up and out. We are looking up to heaven. We are gazing towards Jesus. And as we meet his gaze, we find it directly targeted at everyone else. He is looking out towards people. And uh, we have our heart and our life and our identity set within looking up to him, not looking in. Notice that? It's not looking in. It's not self, like it's being, not being self-aware. No, it's being self-inclined. Not even in a good or a bad sense. It's being self-inclined means you're disconnected from looking up, looking from heaven's perspective. And uh, as we enter into this theme of upper room, that's really the target. Let us look up. And uh, I won't be preaching from the passage, but upper room is just uh, indicative of what happened in Acts. Acts 2 is the Holy Spirit came as they were gathered, they were as expectant, they were not just uh, eating a nice meal and having a happy clappy church meeting up in the top thing. They were waiting, they were fasting, there was 120 desperate people for the Spirit to pour out on their life um, because Jesus said to, which is always a good move. Um, I apologize if I start coughing. I don't know. I just woke up with a bit of a throat thing. So tea's on hand and we're going to make it through. But we are, we're just going to do like a small little exegesis of three chapters of Colossians. It's going to be fun. I love, I love the word. I love being able to share about the word. Um, it's a great privilege of my life. And so we're going to going to flick over to Colossians 3, chapter 1, I mean Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, we'll get it right. And uh, just before we get there, uh, I did a, a study exchange during my university period, and I was seated in this lecture hall, and there was all different cultures in the place, let's face it, Australia was the minority there, and I was actually sitting next to someone, and the conversation, the ice breaking is the first lecture of the, of the uh, course. And so they say, hey, just introduce yourself, get to know where they're from, that sort of thing. We, we talked to her first and she was Finnish. And uh, that doesn't mean she's complete. She was from Finland. And... Um, hey. <laughs> she was from Finland and I uh, got to talk. She was over and uh, studying at Copenhagen as well. And from our conversation, she led into sort of my part of the introduction with, so how long did you spend in Australia? Uh, which means, one, I do have a bit of an accent, but apparently I don't sound overly Australian, which I'm not sure is a compliment or not. Uh, but there was something of the accent, there was something of the dialogue that determined the destination from which I was. And so we understand in Scripture that it, there's a conversation around we are citizens of heaven. And that sounds really powerful, and I think our spirit grasps a bit of what that means. 
But without actually understanding its implications for our life, we're left sort of in the dark. We are citizens of heaven. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, it talks about we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassador is a, a foreign representative in a nation. If I was uh, representing Australia during my study exchange, because I was an ambassador, it wasn't my job, but you get the idea. And so we as Christ followers are called heavenly citizens. We're called ambassadors for Christ, speaking with a different uh, accent of heaven. And we find ourselves going, we are looked, looking to heaven, but what does it mean to live from heaven? Because here's the idea that I want to communicate today. Heaven isn't just a future destination. It's a Christ follower's available reality. So heaven isn't just where you go when you die. It is actually, you're not just looking forward to when you die as your life goal. There is actually an element of when Christ came, died, and was resurrected, that there was an initiation of heaven on earth. And there's this tension of here, but not yet. There's this, I'm, I'm living on earth in heaven, and there's this, uh, there's this mm, I'm, I'm in both. There's this tension even within my soul, and we first see it greatestly exhibited through the life of Christ because he said, all authority on heaven and on earth, he was living in both. And so as we enter this scripture of Second Colossians, I heard, or in Second Colossians, we're making up scripture now. Always good to do as a preacher. Uh, <laughs> we, I want us to understand that heaven isn't just a future destination. It's a Christ follower's available reality. So Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 says this, Since then, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Where Christ, is seated, uh, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 3, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Why? For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear in Him, uh, with Him in glory. And we are going to break this down because that is dense. Um, and so we're going to unpack it. But he, he mentions this idea of seating. Now, back in 2012, um, I, I'm a fan of Coldplay. And so I went to the Coldplay concert. Um, I was living in Auckland at the time. And so I was just like over to Milton on a train. I didn't have to deal with parking during. It was a good time. Um, went to the Coldplay concert. And when you go to a concert, it's all about seating, right? You, you, you walk in, you're like, I've got my allocated seat. You're, you're begging as the, you're clicking the refresh button on the internet to get the best seat you can because you know that where you sit determines your perspective. We get this when you go to a basketball game. Everyone is envious of courtside because they're closest to the action and they get a little bit of sweat flicked on them as they go past. Everyone wants a bit of basketball sweat. And, but it... It's seat, the seat that determines the perspective of the game. And we understand in the scripture that there is three things that Paul wants to emphasize to these Colossians. And the first thing is that they are seated in a location that provides a perspective. That you are seated in heavenly places with Christ. 
And that isn't to create some sort of superiority complex around your life that you're above everybody, but it's talking about a perspective of identity and position from which you live your life. And so whether you're a fan of Coldplay or not, you still want the best seats in the house. And we understand that you were raised with Christ. Now let's take a pause, put a pin in that thought right there. We need to understand what Paul the heck is talking about with these Colossians. Now Colossians is a letter of Paul's, it's called an epistle. It's one of the few epistles, uh, many epistles that uh, Paul wrote. And the thing about the Colossian church is Paul didn't found it. He wasn't the OG preacher that came in and established it. He's come in as a fan of the church. He's literally had a friend come to him while he's been um, away. He could be in prison. Paul seems to get in prison a lot. Uh, and he is engaged in a conversation with this guy named Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, you get it. Uh, and he's like, Paul, you will never guess what has been going on in the church or in the city of Colossians. There's church. They've grabbed hold of the faith of Jesus Christ. And in this first part of Colossians, we see that Paul is just overjoyed with what God is doing in their midst. He's like, ever since I've heard of you, I'm giving thanks for what God has been doing here. But the reason he's writing is not just to give thanks. It's actually to use his wisdom and speak into the dialogue of cultures that existed within Colossians. Because Colossians was a very um, interesting place. Not quite as interesting as Corinthians, but, you know, they're fighting for it. And what we see is the tension is the Colossian church is they are striving after the pursuit of Jesus Christ, but they've got two pendulum swings of culture. They've got a very, very uh, Eastern... Um, religious, you've got like Ephesus just down the road, they're talking about their Greek gods, they're talking about many gods, there's a polytheism that's acute within this region, and so the temptation for them in terms of a culture is to add Jesus on the mantle of all the gods that they've got there. And so Paul's like, that's not going to fly. And so we get in Colossians chapter 1, this dense poem of the supremacy of the Son of God in the earth. And that's addressing that. But then Paul also is addressing uh, the Judaizers, or like the people that are coming against the gospel with rules and regulations. And I'm pleased that this is not one of our conversations we have to have regularly. They're talking about circumcision. Uh, They're talking about obeying the law in certain functions, um, eating a certain way, eating kosher, the observation of certain uh, seasons and festivals and all these things. And you have to do this in order to be religious Christ follower. And so you've got these two things. And Paul's like, both of these elements are taking away from what's most important. Because there's something that we need to understand, that the devil um, has different strategies against the sons of God, you and I. And one of them is distraction, another is deception, and another is discouragement. Because what what he says is, okay, you, you said yes to Jesus, that sounds good. That's you out, I get it. But what I want to do is I want to take out your influence from ever taking any of my kingdom of darkness away. 
So let me take or let me draw your attention away from where you're seated in heavenly places and let me take it on to the nuances of do this, don't do this. Should I get up? Should I do this? A, a mathematics equation to what it means to, to be a Christ follower. Let me draw your attention to diluting the gospel. Let me draw and discourage you through just meaningless conversations around what it does and doesn't mean to be a Christ follower. And so he's like, well, I'm going to distract the Colossians church. And within our lives, we need to be mindful that there are things that are trying to draw our attention, draw our uh, mental capacity from what is being called in this scripture being heavenward to earthward. There is a tension, there is a current pulling against the Christian to be earthly minded, to live on earth as if they're living for themselves and from themselves. And so... This, this concept that Paul's trying to communicate, if heaven isn't just a future reality, it's Christ follows available reality, it's like, well, what is he going to talk about? So he says this, you have been raised with Christ. We took communion today. And the, the act of communion is indicative of this, of this moment. That as a if you've said yes to Jesus in this place, if you've given your life over to him, if you've uh, received the power of God in your life, you are called dead to the old and alive to the new. And so in this scripture, it talks about you've been baptized into the death of Christ. That's why as a, a people, we go, let's baptize you in water because it's a public expression of the inner reality of I have died with Christ and now I'm alive to the new creation. And so in uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 20, you see this. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of the world, why as though are you living as if you still belong to them? Do not submit to its rule. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are rules which have the appearance, or which will perish, and they have the appearance of wisdom, with their self, but their uh, treatment of the body has no value for restraining sensual indulgence. And so we see this tension of the devil is trying to distract us with these do's, don'ts, and what it has is it has no power. If we are supposed to be living in, with Christ in heavenly places, understanding that the things that used to control you, the shame that once bound you, the addictions that once stood over your mind, you have died to their authority over your life. The authority they have is over a dead man. And so what, they, what Paul is saying is don't pick up dead things when you have life available. In, in 2023, what are the things that you've been trying to bring to life, performing CPR on over and over and over again because you know them, but Christ said, well, that thing, that power of anger over your life, well, that died. Stop reliving this narrative of, I guess I'm just submitting to the, the abrupt anger that I just have to do. Or I, I guess I'm just submitting to this mental fuzziness, this cloudiness that's encompassing me. It's, well, you're no longer subject to the, the elemental spiritual forces that came against you. You have died with Christ. 
and you're no longer alive to them. They have the authority over a dead man. And so when we find ourselves stepping into Colossians 3, we see this transfer from you have died with Christ, so now you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Just be, you, you know the phrase available in the statement that heaven isn't just a future destination, it's available reality. Available doesn't mean non-optional. There is a choice we see here to live within the reality of heaven. And so we, we see that set your hearts on things above. And, and the word here is literally seek, to pursue, to act on in such a way, excuse me, to desire and pursue the things of God in the heavenly places. Now, this is all really intangible, but I just want to yet let your spirit grasp hold of the fact that you are not called to settle for earth anymore when he has provided heaven for you. You're not settling for the things that once grasped you. Settling isn't an option for a Christ follower empowered by the Spirit of God. Because it's living by faith and not by sight. It's understanding who we are called to be and not who, what, what we've done in our past. And so we are setting our heart on things above. Now, when we use the word reality in this statement that we're talking about heaven as a reality, reality is the state of things as they actually exist as opposed to an idealistic, non-notional idea of them. That'll be on the screen, but heaven's reality is the truest reality. Now, this is hard, and this is a process of let the Spirit um, emerge that within your spirit and let your mind be renewed, but there's this concept of uh, uh, this is who we are called to be. And when we settle for earth, we're actually not being who God's called us to be. And there's this, this tension of, like if I, 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 my son doesn't walk yet, so it's hard to, but if I set him up in a thing, if I like, if I gave him a car, which he, I'm not doing, but uh, if I gave him a car and he still decides to take his putt-putt scooter, it's like, why are you settling for the putt-putt scooter when you have access to the things that I've given to you? Like, why are you settling for the wrapping paper when the gift is inside? Though he is really content with wrapping paper at this stage. And, and this, God has given us a gift. God has given us a new life. Set your hearts in this new life. Set your hearts in this new life where Christ is seated, seeking after the things of God. In uh, chapter 2, it says this, it won't be on the screen. Since then, you have received Jesus as the Lord. Continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in faith as you were taught, overflowing. Like you get this language that if we limit, if we settle for just okay, there's so much more available. Our friend, my friends being like, your family, if they're not saved, Pray continually, continually intercede for them, continually seek after them because you're not called to be content with what the earth has, with the devil's agenda for your family. You need to be looking heavenward to let heaven invade your reality to see what he's got in store for them. 
When you're at work, you're not just at work to get a paycheck. There's heaven's agenda for your workplace, and it's you. There is heaven invading, and so letting our hearts be set, letting our minds be set on the things above, and hearts and minds really just talks about, it's not repetitious, it's talking about let your actions pursue after the things of God and let your mind dwell on the things of God as well. We don't know much about heaven in Scripture. It doesn't like give us a really good like dictionary, non-fiction, textbook definition of what heaven is like uh, because heaven sort of blows humans' minds. That's why you get accounts of Isaiah 6, Revelation, um, even just visions, and it's just like, uh, it's, it's like a gold road. What? <laughs> it's, it's like everything's being, like, it doesn't make sense when you read it. So there's only one thing that we absolutely know, or not one thing, but there is one thing with absolute certainty we know about heaven, is it's Christ's absolute rule there. No death, no shame, no tears, no pain. There is this sense that if we are living from heaven as our current and available reality, that there's a transcendence of circumstance in our lives. It means that we can go through hell and keep praising because we know that we'll see them again, we'll know our hope in Jesus, we'll laugh with Jesus one day. There's a hope and we can lose and we can find failure in our own lives, but there's a sense that my heaven is where I actually live. You can bomb out at work, you can get fired for whatever purpose, hopefully not something bad, but you know, God's got me. Heaven is my greatest reality, it's just not my future destination. It's this, this presence, there's this calling forth to this activity. Don't settle for what has been killed when life is available for you now. And I'll just finish with this, the cited aspect of who we are in Christ, that we are setting our minds on things above and seeing as Jesus sees. Matthew 6, we get that the Sermon, um, the sermon on the Mount and we get Jesus talking about how to pray. It's the only part in Scripture where the disciples approach Jesus and saying, teach me how. It wasn't how to communicate, it wasn't how to heal, it wasn't how to perform miracles, it was Jesus, teach me how to pray. And he starts this, he starts to establish, by establishing the position of the saints and where they're praying from. This is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Not our Father wrestling with earth, not our Father who's subject to the things of this world. Not my Father, I'm feeling sorry for myself. My Father who is in heaven above it all. There is a location from which we start praying and interceding from. And it is not from God, help me. Like there's a desperation and authenticity in prayer, yes. But what praise and prayer does is it turns our attitude, our Father in heaven, remind my soul who my God is. Not about who the, what the size of my circumstance is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Praise be your name. Holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Can you see that heaven is more than just a future destination? It is the place from which we originate. It's the place from which we source. It's the place from which we set our minds. As we look up and we meet the gaze of Christ in heaven, we find ourselves gazing out with him towards the people of the earth as well. We're looking up, we're looking out. So even just today as we close, as we pray together, my prayer is the same thing that Paul prayed here in uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, again, Colossians, 1 Colossians, no, Colossians chapter 1. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well? Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.